In our new series, Debut Discussions, we're asking debut authors to tell us their story, not only the story in the novel they wrote, but the journey they took to hold that book in their hands. On today's episode, we're chatting with Anna Bliss. Anna has an MA in Literature and Visual Culture from the University of Sussex, where she wrote her dissertation on women's narratives of the London Blitz during World War II. An alumni of the Northern California Writers' Retreat, she also studied at the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Social Welfare, the American Jewish University, and the UCLA Extension Writers' Program. Her debut novel, Bonfire Night, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women. Hi. So good to see you guys. So great to have you here. So, Anna, we want to start where we think sort of writers begin, which is with reading. And writers, they are readers. And in your acknowledgments, you actually thank your mother for being a great reader and for passing her love of literature on to you. So we want to start just by hearing a little bit about your love story with literature and what she passed on to you and sort of who Anna is as a reader. Oh, I love that question. Yeah. So my mom and I are really close and she is a big fan of British literature. She's a Jane Austenite and she loves like mid-century interwar literature by women. She, so I grew up in a house that had a big bookshelf, like the one behind me now, but it was full of, I only have a few of them, but it was full of these green Virago modern classics. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've seen these before Mm -hmm. from like the eighties and nineties. And I watched my mom go through them and always reading them. And so when I was probably in like third grade, I started reading them too. Probably didn't understand a lot that I was yes. reading, but I did. And my mom is a, she has cluster migraines, which is a really difficult type of migraine. And one, I think reading was one of the ways that she kind of coped with that pain. And so reading has always been for her and really for me too, an escape, a way of like soothing myself, a way of just having my own space in the world. So I've always been a huge reader. I've always was the kid who was reading under my desk in school. (laughs) And my tastes now are, I read a lot of contemporary sort of commercial fiction just because that's what I'm drawn to right now. But when I was growing up, I read a lot of the classics and I read a lot of like Anthony Trollope and other Victorian writers because that's what my mom had around. Yeah. So that's what I was going to go with next was was genre. So Bonfire Mm -hmm. Night is historical fiction, romance, historical romance. Is that Mm -hmm. its own? Okay. So genre, I'm terrible, including with my own book about genres. But I know, uh, I know. And so you've always, that's been your first love and you've stayed mostly in that lane. Is that right? Well, I love that era. Mm -hmm. So I would say more often than not, I'm not reading historical fiction when I'm just picking what I want. Okay. Okay. I do love the, the, so many historical fiction authors that are writing right now, but a lot of times when I'm picking my own books, I I don't want to go there because I don't want to be working and I don't want to be thinking about Mm -hmm. how are they doing this or, you know, sort of just like, yeah, have that work brain on. So Uh for me, the writers that, that I really love right now and have always loved, I love like Nick Hornby. I love, let's see, let's look, let me look back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I love Ian McEwen. He does some historical fiction. Roddy Doyle, Tessa Hadley. Mm-hmm. Um, oh boy, so many different writers. I'm literally looking at my yeah. <laughs> I know to do that too. I, yeah, I love this author named Flynn Berry. You might actually know her, Corinne. Yes, uh, she's a thriller writer that is so good, um, yeah. and everything she puts out, I'm just like, oh, I'm waiting for it. So yeah, I, I do love historical fiction, but it's not necessarily the thing that I always pick up in my free time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because like you said, it is sort of a I do feel like that when I'm reading thrillers, I am mm-hmm. looking behind the curtain. I know how it gets yes. made. And I'm like, okay, what was the decision here that must have been thinking about I can't reveal this or so yeah, I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So now would be a good time to let the listeners know about Bonfire Night. In the autumn of 1936, photojournalist Kate is shooting an anti-fascist protest in East London when, amid the swirling violence and chaos, David crosses her path. A lanky, brilliant medical student as ambitious as Kate, David is driven by the duty to succeed as a doctor in a country that would prefer he did not exist and as a Jewish son by marrying within the faith. But he is stunned by the beauty and curiosity of this Irish Catholic outsider. Their tumultuous love affair burns hot while it lasts, throwing their differences into sharp relief as passion pulls their heartstrings in conflicting directions. Four years later, the blitz rages as David tends to patients at a busy London hospital. 80 miles south, Kate is a single mother working at her sister's boarding house in Brighton. But Kate's challenges and disappointments only deepen her desire to capture images of the world unfurling around her, the beauty and violence, the heart-rending struggles, and the surprising joys. Soon, fate and ambition will align, providing her with the chance to make her mark at last. Now, did you know that this, you wanted your debut to be in historical romance? I mean, is this, or do you, a lot of authors, you know, debuts have written other things, and maybe this mm-hmm. wasn't really, this happens to be what you're being published as, right. but is this sort of always the genre you thought you'd want to write in? Yes. It is. I, it is my first book. It's the first book that I've written. And, I, you know, I love I love writing historical fiction because it feels like time travel to me. Mm. I just, I love it. I can't imagine writing in any other genre. Oh, okay. um, I was wondering that. Not yeah. to say that I, I won't, but yeah. it's just, it's almost like a spiritual experience for me. Oh. And I, I love history very much. I read mm. a lot of nonfiction. And I wrote my my master's dissertation on yeah. the period yeah. that my characters are, are living through, which is the Blitz in London. And I love 1930s women writers. So yeah, I can't imagine having written my first book at any other time period, just because I know a lot about it. I like mm-hmm. being there. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's a space that I like being in. And I just love it. I just love historical fiction. I, I'm fascinated by writers who don't write historical yeah. fiction. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I yeah. feel like they're missing out on that like time travel aspect and the research, which I also love so much. I'm yes. just so, so See, into that piece of it. I'm with you on the time travel, but then you lose me on the research. Okay. I'm like, my research <laughs> is like, would something I did kill somebody? <laughs> That's my research. Oh, that's, no- that's fascinating. Yeah. 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 Like different kind. It is. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. But getting it right is, it's a hard thing. That responsibility to feel that, to get it the is. details and right. It, yeah. yeah. And it, so it takes a long time. Yeah. 
But it yeah. also, it, it's kind of like being an actor, I would imagine, not that I am an actor, but it really helps helped me sink into the characters and into the world, taking that time to research. And I'm working on another book now and I'm like in that research phase and I just, I just love it. Like yeah. I just can't wait to make my coffee in the morning and like get into the library of Congress and just like, just, I don't know. I just love it. I love the research piece. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do understand that from the lawyer days. Oh I yes. Totally. Yes. Yes. I was going to say, we can nerd out as lawyers, totally. but it seems like it is bringing together your loves though of history mm-hmm. and literature. And this does feel like the perfect genre for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we want to talk about writing like as a practice because mm-hmm. that's what it is. You've already given us little hints into your day of and how much research is involved. But mm-hmm. just generally, like, when did you start writing and why mm-hmm. and sort of how does the practice of writing look to you? I've always been a writer. So it's just what I like doing. It's what I think I'm best at in terms of like, you know, a work setting. So I've had a lot of jobs in marketing and nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always kind of ended up being assigned the writing tasks because I think that's what I just like doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can do a good job of it. But I hadn't written fiction and I was actually pretty scared of it because I was an English major and I was a, I have a master's in English lit. And so what you learn in those programs is usually to remove yourself entirely. Like mm-hmm. your opinion doesn't really matter. You have to back it up with real scholars if you're going to give an opinion about a book. So the writing can be very, very like distant. The writer's voice is distant. And so that still is sort of my default yeah, that I have yeah. to fight off. So I actually write my books in first person in order to sort of avoid that. My mm-hmm. book is, is not, the finished product is not in first person, it's in third person, but the first draft is in first person so that I can keep that visceral connection of it's, I and yeah. it's happening to me because otherwise I've noticed that my writing tends, my voice tends to get kind of distant. That's so um, funny. I do the opposite. I you do. S- yes. When I'm like fleshing out a story, I'm like, okay, who is Paige? What is Paige doing? And so I write in the third person, but as I move along, I write in the end, it's first person because that's how I like immerse myself in the character. So when okay. do you switch over? Yeah. When do I switch over? Like the the second pass. Yeah. Like when yeah. I'm deciding if something is worth keeping. I mean, for Bonfire Night, I've, oh my gosh, I probably have 100,000 words just on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I was learning and it yeah. took me seven years to write it almost. Wow. So I got the idea for it when I was eight months pregnant with my second son. Okay. And like just driving around and I heard a story on the radio about like a PRI story about something called the Battle of Cable Street, which was a anti-fascist protest in East London in 1936. And I think it was the 80th anniversary. And so they were interviewing survivors of which there still were at that point. Mm -hmm. I doubt there are many now, but this was in 2016. And they were talking about how in this immigrant neighborhood, there were a lot of Irish people and there were a lot of Jewish people. And to stop the fascists, the Irish people and the Jewish people came together to block entry into their neighborhood because there was going to be like a pro-Hitler parade through their Mm. neighborhood. 
And I just thought, oh, like the first thing that came to my head was there could be a Romeo and Juliet thing there. If someone from an Irish family and someone from a Jewish family met under those circumstances when everybody was sort of getting along and working together. And then once things go back to business as usual, they might run into some problems. Because in, in those times, especially like it was very uncommon for Jewish people to marry outside of the the Jewish world. And I would imagine it was same, at least speaking to my grandmother, it seems like it was similar for her as a Catholic woman in that Mm -hmm. era or just a little bit later. So I was eight months pregnant and I was getting ready to move. And so I just wrote a little bit, just jotted things down for like, I mean, at least the first year of my son's life. You know, because you don't have a lot of, you guys have kids, yeah. you don't have a ton of time. Yeah. But I think that parenting is, it's very hard. It's especially at that age, like an infant, it's real physical work. Yes. But yeah. you actually draining. have real a draining. lot of intellectual freedom at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, if you're awake enough to actually yes. hear it. Right. 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 Um, and so I actually had a lot of time when I was like breastfeeding my son or when I was you know, just holding him while he was falling asleep to think, you know, through things, think through my characters, think through what a story might be. I didn't necessarily have time to write it down, but that was really where it started. And then once he got older, I have an older son as well. And once my older son was older, I had more time to say, okay, I have a two hour block or a three hour block because they're in preschool or they're in first grade or with their friends. And then I had time to really like write things down. But it took a long time because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. But I love that you can bring it back to that moment of like driving in your car, eight months pregnant, you're about to move. Like everything is so – I feel like it happens like that a lot when chaos is – Yes. Sometimes there's a clarity of the story that you want to tell. And you said like I see a Romeo and Juliet moment there. I love that. Yeah. And what about the time in between the firstborn and the secondborn? Because I, Mm. kind of the way you said, I've always been a writer, Mm -hmm. but it was something about the second one Mm -hmm. that I started writing. And like, I was like, I'm going to do the fiction. I'm going to do it now. Like, this is, this is the time to do it. And I don't know why, maybe the first one you're more unsure. The second one, you know, a little, like, do you have any thoughts about that? Because it's not just the, the, the creation of, of a child. It's right. something about the second one, too. It's a little I, different. I, yes. Yeah. I do have thoughts on that. I mean, well, with my, with my first child, I felt like I, I wasn't correct, but I felt that I, it was possible to do things perfectly. I'm putting that in mm, quotes. Yes. So I sort of like had this mentality of like, I will will it so, whatever I need mm-hmm. to make happen. And then by the time the second one comes, it's like, oh, no, yeah, none of this is possible. Yeah. Like someone's going to feel ignored. You're not going to be able to, you know, have a, a schedule that you would, you might like to have. And also they're different. And so you, yeah. learn, you don't mm-hmm. actually, at least I learned that I don't have as much control as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. they sleep <laughs> kind of the way they sleep. Like, you know, if my first child had been a great sleeper, if he wasn't, I would have totally been one of those parents who like comes to yes. me. It's like, oh my God, these poor, helpless idiots who can't. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Instead, I was the person who was like, 
you know, bleary eyed, just like reading like the happiest baby on the blog. Yes. The- I was like, why do they even write these books? <laughs> because they don't do anything. They don't work. Oh. Nothing worked on my firstborn too. I had the exact same experience. And my second came out like right. napped on schedule, slept <laughs> the way, like all the yeah. things that they wrote. Right. then made sense with the second one it, and not with the first. Yes, yeah. yes. With my second one, I remember the first night in the, I think it was in the hospital or maybe it was when he came home. He slept like four hours in a row and my husband and I looked at each other like, oh, yeah, you're- God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took, I mean, like eight months for my first child to do that. And so yeah. we were just like, Same. what's happening? Spinning. Like. Same. It was so strange. Oh, yes. my God. So I don't know. So that could be part of it that I just sort of gave up on, I'm going to do this perfectly mm-hmm. because yes. I just, I realized it wasn't possible. And then also maybe it was sleep deprivation of just being able to kind of go into the ether mm. more quickly because I was whacked out of my mind on sleep deprivation. <laughs> yeah. And so... Yeah. I can kind of enter that space of like magic that you need to go into to write fiction. Yeah. I can enter it pretty easily. How far apart are you are your two? They're almost four years apart. Okay. Because so you were like really stringing the, the sleep deprivation. <laughs> like, I was. I was. Yeah. But, but that but that's honestly why. Is because yeah. I was like, oh gosh, like if this is how it is, like my, my first son is the most adorable angel you could ever meet, but the sleep thing was really hard. And so I thought, yeah. I can't do this with two kids because I was just expecting it to happen again. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You know, yeah. but my. That's my, so funny. So, so there was a, there was a big space because of that, but it was, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure why it happened that yeah. way because I had kind of tried before to, I started a book in my late twenties but I just wasn't that into the idea. It was historical yeah. fiction, but I just never got that excited about it. But with this book, it was like, I'm finishing this book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it doesn't really matter how long it takes or yeah, if anyone reads there. it, it is going to be finished. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about Kate and where you got inspiration for her character or a little bit about the development of her. Okay, I love Kate. She is great name. Inspired by several people, and one of them is a photographer named Lee Miller. That's mm-hmm. who my my dissertation I mentioned before kind of revolved around. This American photographer who was working in Britain before and during World War II. Her family home, where she ended up living, was like an hour from where I lived when I lived in the UK, and so. I went to her archive and I got to meet her son and who was super helpful and he's her archivist and her housekeeper who had helped raise her son still worked there at the time and so I got to meet her and learn about the sort of person who's able to create art under really difficult conditions in you know war zones in like arm sort of military settings. I'm really fascinated by those people because that's not me. I'm like live in awe of people like who have jobs that are emotionally very stressful and they, and they still voluntarily go back to them every day. And so Lee Miller definitely was part of the inspiration for Kate. And then I happened to have some really, really good luck while I was writing this book. I, 
I, I love that. I had a babysitter who I, you know, found on care.com who ended up being, her name's Tori. And she helped me with my older son when my little guy was a baby. And she was with us like all summer driving him to preschool. And then at the end of the summer, she was like, oh, what's the book you're working on? And I told her it's about Britain. It's about like a Jewish family who lives in Britain during World War II and an Irish family. And she was like, oh, my dad's Jewish and he's from London. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could talk to him because I'm interested in what the British Jewish experience is like. I know a lot about what the American Jewish experience is like, just like through being in my husband's family. But I, I really wanted to talk to him and he lives near where I live. And so he was super helpful. And then he connected me with his great aunt, Sylvie, who was born in the early 20s and lived through this time period and was still alive and very, very with it and remembered everything. And so she and I sort of had a phone friendship for a while and I could call her and ask her about what it was like living in East London in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Like even down to if I was like, oh, I want to write a scene where they go to a dance hall. I could call her and say like, what was the dance yeah, hall? That's that great. Who are the musical acts that you would see? And am I correct in that if you had come home with a Gentile boy, your family would have like slammed the door in your face or what would they have done? Like I could right. ask her yeah. all those questions. And so some of Kate comes from her, some of David comes from her as well. But Kate really is inspired by the people I know who are much more fearless than I am and less introspective and more action oriented. He's kind of the sort of person I would like to be, but I'm, I'm not really. <laughs> mm. uh, I love that. She, Kate jumped right off the page to, okay. I think, to both of us. Yeah. I mean, we love someone who's willing to just be who they are and despite what everyone else is telling them they need to be and how mm. they need to act and love and do. Mm. Yeah. But, but you're right. There is something really subversive about creating art in times of war and stress and and it's beautiful and it's necessary but it is i i can't imagine what a challenge that is to feel like every day is a fight for survival and in one way or another and then to just go ahead and create art i hadn't heard enough time thinking it was legitimate creating art you know in good times right so yeah. yeah and and with lee miller the amazing thing about her is not only was she making these beautiful photographs she was a photojournalist but she was also doing it with a sort of surrealist sense of humor hmm. and so that is truly like thumbing your nose at at you know hitler at violence at you know, the conditions that you're in, if you can find a joke yeah. in a bombed out, you know, building, if that is, mm. that's extraordinary. And I'm curious about that sort of intellect and that sort of sense of humor and ability. And so yeah. I tried to imbue Kate with that mm, yeah. as much as I could. You've already talked about some of your research that you did, which it mm -hmm. sounds like was really extensive. Mm -hmm. One, because you owe it to the, to the story and to the 
setting the cultural references to get it all right, but it also sounds like just part of who you are and something that you would love to do and immerse mm -hmm. yourself in. It is. Yeah, and how do you balance that yeah. responsibility with the freedom of imagination? You're, they, Kate and David don't exist. Yeah. They, yeah. You yeah. made them up from scratch. So how do you balance those two things? Or does is that the way it works for you? I think it's kind of like the research sets the scene. It sets the table for the story. And then, then you have the freedom to create and feel yeah. Yeah, in a way that feels really free because you know you got the details right. Yeah, yeah. I can um, see that. I get that. So yeah. that's why I do research first because I wouldn't want to write a bunch of emotional content, which is can be hard and, and sort of wrenching and then not be able to use it because I didn't, I didn't, you know, do my research and, and due diligence on if this would actually ever take place. And everything in this book that I could control or that I, that I, that is possible to fact check, I, I did. So I didn't, I, I really tried to make it as if, you know, these are just, these are people like you and me and living in just a very difficult time. And so I, I don't have a lot of like, fan, you know, I was going to say fantasy, but I, I don't take a lot of, I don't think that's the right word. I don't take a lot of creative license when it comes to like the actual facts that can be verified. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is, which is fair, but it's also, I think what you're alluding to is that's not the way every historical writer writes. Mm -hmm. If they're writing historical fiction, yes. whether it's romance or, or sometimes thriller suspense, they sometimes will do that, but totally. it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be awesome out. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's not the way you're going. That's not that's not really the way that I think. And again, I my next book, you might be like, right? Oh, who? Yeah, Anna was completely lying. But <laughs> I, mean, I, that's not how I was. I did this book, and I'm I'm yeah. researching my my next book has some real people in it, mm -hmm. and right now I'm trying to figure out kind of how to balance that. Like, do I? You know how true do I need to be to their their exact life stories? They're not famous people, but they actually were people who mm. lived. So those are sort of I might be able to answer that question better yeah. after I finish mm. the next movie. next yeah. time. Okay, well we'll come back and we'll yeah, talk about that then. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to talk about since we are talking to you as a debut author and a lot of people who might be interested themselves in becoming a published author, you know, what kind of craft books or writing classes you took or writing retreats you might have gone on. We know from your bio and Corinne that you're, you've participated in the Northern California Writers Retreat. But, yeah. you know, people have these questions, you know, for us all the time, like, should I read a book about writing? Should I go to a class? So what advice would you have for them in terms of those kind of resources? So the first thing I would do is just read a lot, mm -hmm. um, full stop, just read yes. whatever interests you and you will, th I think thing, most of my writing comes out of that. Most of my inspiration comes out of, oh, this is how they did that. I'm going to try that too. As far as writing books, I really loved, one of the first ones I read was Anne Lamott's 
Bird by Bird. Mm-hmm. I felt like that's a book I would highly recommend. And I even, she has a chapter on publication that I just went back and reread. <laughs> oh, perfect. Happened. So I loved that book. And then I did a lot of courses through UCLA Extension, their writer's program, and through Catapult, which unfortunately doesn't really exist anymore as a, yeah. a class, class thing. I did those too. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those classes, so that's that's too bad. But And then the Northern California Writers' Retreat was I – this book would not exist without it. It's completely – like before I went to that retreat, I had absolutely no idea – how a book, you know, actually gets on the shelves. I didn't know how to get an agent. I didn't know if you had to get an agent. I I knew nothing. And so that was a huge revelatory experience for me as far as learning how to actually do this. And it can be daunting because when you go to things like that, you see how many people are trying to do what you're trying to do and how difficult it is and how much luck is sort of involved in it. But I, that yeah. Oh, yeah. changed everything for me. And Karina I, I met at one of their retreats. Yes, a virtual one, which is, I believe, where you met Heather. And speaking yes. of a little bit of luck, right? I remember we were doing breakout rooms. Yeah. And Heather, who Heather, yes. the leader, was just like randomly pressing, okay, breakout room, breakout room. And Anna and Heather, the agent, yeah. ended up in every breakout room together. Yes. I remember because I think we were in quite a few together as well, yes. but not every one. Right. And is that was the beginning of your relationship oh yes. with your agent? Is that, that right? Tell that's us. That's a whole Tell other us. piece of that. So that was the second retreat I went to. And the second one was during COVID. So it was a virtual retreat. Um, and yeah. so, but it was, it was really great. And basically it was small groups. And then you either had an editor or an agent, if I remember this correctly, who yep. would read 20 pages of your work. And before the retreat, and then they sort of give you revisions and your group reads your book and it's sort of a workshop environment. But yeah, my, my group leader, the, the agent assigned to us was Heather Jackson, who is my agent now. And that's where I met her. And it was really wonderful because yeah, as Corinne said, there was like a sort of a random jumble where they, the groups would kind of keep remixing. And I think like every time, Yeah, I remember it was every time. Heather Jackson. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if I believe in signs, but there there are little (laughs) things like that sometimes that just sort of are like, it's almost like a breadcrumb. It's like, just keep going. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say to anyone who's trying to do this, look out for those little clues that you might be on the right track because they do seem to appear. And it helps give you sort of confidence and belief when a lot of people tell you that you can't do it or that it's impossible because you can, it's just a matter of tenacity. Yeah. And then, so did Heather read your pages and love them right away? Was the um, connection, how did you end I up signing with her? I don't know if she loved them. She said, <laughs> she said you know, I, I don't think, at least in my experience, like agents and editors don't really talk like that. Okay. By the way, <laughs> let me just tell you, stop you there and tell you when my agent called me and was, yeah. was like, let's have a call. Yeah. I read your entire manuscript. Let's right. have a call. She talked to me about the manuscript for a while. And then she goes, so, but I'd like to offer you a representation. And she goes, and I like 
was shocked. And she goes, why do you sound so shocked? This is the call. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. You're just not you talking. You didn't say like, you loved it. Yeah. I don't know. Right. No. Yes. It just doesn't. Yeah, you're right. They don't, so, they don't say that. And now I'm kind of used to it. But for a while, I was like, oh, what is like? Because they, <laughs> at least I was, I was talking to a, a friend who's going through this right now. And she was like, they hate it. They hate my book. And it's like, they're trying to change everything. And it's like, well, me, yeah. I doubt it because they probably wouldn't be wasting their time reading right. it if they did. They, it should probably yeah. be unsaid that they love your book. You should just accept that. Yes. Because otherwise they wouldn't be wasting their time. But I, yeah, I assume she... But it is the affect. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like editors are the same way. It's like, this is everything that's wrong with it. If I didn't yeah. put it, it means that it's good. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. so that's that's sort of how I take it now. And I appreciate that. We're all busy people. Yeah. But... So you do have to have that self-belief. Otherwise, it would just be like, oh, my gosh, this onslaught of everything that's wrong with my book. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, so Heather said, she did say, when you finish it, your manuscript, send it to me. Okay. okay. And so yes. that – and she had some really good ideas about my book just right from the get-go. And, oh, yeah. like, she saw what I was trying to do. Okay. And that, oh, I love that. you know, as you know, like, that's everything. Mm-hmm. She wasn't yeah. trying to take my book and make it into something completely different. Like I felt understood by her right from the beginning. Yeah, because people can have great ideas. Oh, I yeah. often have great ideas for other people's pages, and I'm like, "That's a different book." <laughs> yeah, yeah different exactly. Book. And if that doesn't, and you're like, yeah. "Why didn't you do it the way that I said?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, you do it the way you say it. Exactly. Well, that's what I think. I'm like, I should write that book. Yes. But totally. My list is too long. Totally. So, yeah. So, I met Heather there. I didn't, they didn't sign with her. My book wasn't done. I think this was in, was it in 2021? I think so. Like January 2021. We were still kind of in the thick of it all with the pandemic Mm -hmm. stuff. And I remember we talked about folklore. (laughs) Oh, my God. Big surprise there. Deep, yeah. deep into that, and Corinne was like, "Just keep going. It's okay." <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah. But yeah, so and then I worked on it for a long time. I think I sent it out to, I think I sent it out to agents in January of 2022. Okay. And then I signed with Heather like two, like a month later, maybe something like that. I don't remember the exact dates. And then we worked on it for like six months. And then she sent it out to editors, and then we signed with Kensington and my editor, John, not too long after that. Okay. Yeah. And what was that like? Yeah. Ooh. That process. Well, sending your manuscript out for, oh, man, it yeah. is so stressful. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to be too dramatic, <laughs> But when you, when you get, by the way, anyone who's listening will know okay. this is how it feels. Yeah. When you get no's from editors who have like some of your favorite authors on their roster, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty gutting. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it is because you're just like, oh no, like you. you I'll know. never be. Yes, mm-hmm. like, I'll yeah. never be. And also, what if like everyone hates it? What yeah. if I'm just this delusional, crazy person? You know what I mean? Like all yeah. of your worst fears sort of come back on you. And so, yeah, it's editors have a lot of, I, I don't know if they are aware of it, but they have a lot of power over, yeah. over our emotions, especially yeah. at that stage. Yeah. I know. But the sad thing is sometimes they're just busy and they don't they're read it. Busy. One 
one editor was on vacation and things went quickly. And so that person just wasn't in the cards at all. Yes. I specifically asked to not hear about no's. I only wanted to hear yeses, which is why I heard nothing for a very long time. It was very hard. I I wanted to hear updates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also any sort of feedback. And that was interesting too. I learned a lot about the publishing industry from that process that there is a substantial amount of luck and timing involved. Yes. So I really hope that anyone who goes through this really absorbs that. It's like, if your book doesn't get picked up the first time, like it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. It might just mean that your type of book isn't selling that week. Right. 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 Yes. Um, Absolutely. And trends pass. Like, so I don't know. It was, it, it all came out well in the end. And I felt like I had a great partner in my agent. Yes. And I love my editor. Like we are very simpatico when it comes to what this book is. And he made the book much better but like, again, just sort of saw what I was trying to do. And that's right. the main thing I think you want as a writer is to be understood. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. As a human being, yes. and definitely as, as a, a writer. writer. That's you, all we're right. actively seeking that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like, you yes. get me? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. What do you think is the beyond the, the getting the deal, which is mm-hmm. like, the dream. Yeah. It set, also sets you on a new path to publication. Mm-hmm. What do you think? There's a lot of craft books about trying to get to that point, to writing a good manuscript, but there's not a lot of advice for the, the people who have gotten the deal, who have oh. supposedly achieved the dream, but right. they still have so much to learn pre-publication. God. Have you gotten any advice pre-publication that you're like, thank goodness someone told me this, or thank goodness I saw this? I think Courtney Mom has a good book about this. Yes. I think it's called Before and After the Book Deal. That's it. I, yeah. I liked her book. I thought that was helpful. I thought, to go back to Anne Lamott, she had a good line of, when your book's about to come out, you look and feel like Orson Welles. <laughs> And like you're just like very dramatic and agitated and sort of like what's ha- like you feel very very sort of self-conscious and weird which is where I am right now sort yeah. of three weeks out I, if anything I mean I think it all goes back to like finding the right agent who you trust and having oh gosh like friends who have done it before yeah. which you know that's are few and far between because it's hard. it's hard to do and so I don't know if I have if I have any sort of advice that I received other than just like don't look at Goodreads, which I do. Um, <laughs> but I, shouldn't. Um, I will not. I don't have I can't. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think I'd survive. You will. But I, mean, I think the first one it's like, what? And then after like if you start coming in, it's just like okay. Blah, and then blah, I, was, blah. I was talking to a writer friend of mine who's like my parents' age, and he was like, oh my, and he's written like so many great books, and he was reading me some of the things people had said about him that were just like, like I read this to fall asleep. It's the, you know, like, oh god. <laughs> and I was like, that helped actually because it's like, okay, yeah. he's a great writer. Yeah. People love yes. his books. It's fine if people don't. I like will. It, that's okay. Yeah. 
It's it's right. I will recommend to you to follow One Star Goodreads reviews. It's an Instagram account, but it's only of the best books. They are either classics Mm -hmm. or they are huge bestsellers. And they're one-star yeah. reviews of books that you uh, are universally pers- loved. Yes, you're saying, are universally but, loved. Right. Yes, that oh, someone that. wrote on. a terrible yeah. review about. So yeah, mm-hmm. everybody oh, gets it. That is good. Oh, another thing I would say is if when you get your galleys, when you get your arcs, give them to all the people in your life that you're nervous about reading it. Mm. So at least you get that out of the way. <laughs> Okay, that's a good one. You know, because yeah. now, like, now that my family has all read it, and like my closest friends, it's like, okay, at least I don't have to be worried about, you know, my, you know, my mom call. I mean, my mom has read it a million times already, but let's say like my cousin calling and saying, like, mm-hmm. Anna, this is weird. What? You know, what I mean? yeah. like, why did you use that story? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Okay. Yes. And then you're kind okay, of giving good. people a warning because all of us writers, we 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 take things. We, you know, yeah. we take stories yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> from yeah. the people that are, you know, from especially family stories for me. I'm just like, oh, what was that? Okay. Yeah. Like, and like, <laughs> jotting it down. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I wanted those people to read the book, you know, now before right. it comes out. Because I don't know if I could handle, like, that would be a lot of stress if I'm like, is the book Oof. selling? And also is like, Bob mad at me. You know? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's good advice. Good yeah. advice. Well, Anna, I want, we want to end by, I want to know your hopes for this book and for your career after Um, your debut. These are big, that's a big question that. Yeah. But, but you've probably never thought about it more than you have right now on the, you know, on the eve of, of it coming out. My main hope is that I can keep doing this. So, I mean, I, I almost can't wait for like this period to be over so I can really get into my second book. Because it's hard to write when you're also thinking about, you know, your book, your first book coming out and just like publicizing that and all that. And you're more like in a more self-conscious sort of place. So, yeah, I mean, my main hope is that I can keep doing this, that I can continue to like connect with with readers and, and, you know, sell books and keep telling stories and exploring stories. I'm sure everyone feels this, but I really feel like Bonfire Night, like I've already cast it in my mind. I feel like it mm. is a movie. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I would love to some, at some point see like one of my stories, like visually represented on screen. But, you know, again, well, there's a lot of just sort of luck, you know, me and everybody else feels that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the main thing is just that I can keep doing this and keep reading good books and, you know, keep trying to write good books. Yeah. Would you want to have a part of that if if there was someone was like I I want to adapt Bonfire Night? Would you want to like be in the writers room or help with the screenplay? Is that yeah. because Kate and I discussed this? We've had mm-hmm. authors come on who have adaptations, yeah. and some of them are like, "No, thank you. I have enough going on with my novel writing." Other people mm-hmm. are like, "Sure, I'd like to see what it's like to." Because it is a completely different vocabulary, completely different process to to writing for the screen. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite writers who I mentioned before, Nick Hornby, is really good at that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he adapts other people's books really, really well. I, I don't know. If I'm deep into another story, you know, maybe not. I guess the answer would be not necessarily. Like, yeah. yes, like yeah. I, would, I would love, you know, to, to stay connected to Bonfire Night and 
be in a writer's room because I love writing um, mm-hmm. and I love my characters and I like being in that world. But not necessarily. It just sort of depends on where I am creatively. Right. At any given that moment. makes sense. What a good answer. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. A, that, yeah. And Maybe. I'm sorry. I know we are, that was our last writing question, oh. but we can't let you leave without finding oh, yes. out your astrological sign. Ooh. I mean, we can't leave that. Do you know it? Yes. And are you into astrology? Like, in yes. Any way? <laughs> okay, so I know it. I, as I said, I'm like, when I was a kid, I was a big reader and I, I'm sort of one of those people who has like obsessions, like with mm. things mm-hmm. that I sort of go with for, you know, a year or so. <laughs> I get really interested yeah. in things. And when I was a kid from like third through fifth grade, I was really into astrology. <laughs> oh, I love that. So all these astrology books. And so I, I, I don't really get into it as much now, but at that time I, so I do know a lot about the signs. I'm a Virgo. Oh, I was going to, I was going to say, this is perfect. I was just going to put up a V. I'm like, (laughs) just want to make my call without saying it beforehand. 100%. Yes. You, you exude Virgo. Okay. I kind of feel like I do too. You do. And I have a, I don't know. And I think for my characters, like, I feel like David is kind of a Virgo too. Okay. And I do connect with him a lot just as a person, but I think yeah, I am a Virgo, and I feel like that is, is seems consistent with, with who I am, too. Yeah. A, a lot of, of it came for me, the indications came for me when you were talking about, like, being faithful to history oh, yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and also loving research. Um, yeah. But, a, you know, detail, Virgo is very detail-oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes complete sense. Right. And like, there's a proper way to do things. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. <laughs> and you were going to do it. Yes. Um, what about Kate? Do you have a thought? She's got Ooh. fire. I'm, I'm thinking of she's got to be I a mean, fire. I mean, she could be a Leo. Yeah. I mean, Leo. let's just go with that since the Kate here it. is a Leo. Let's oh just, my God, uh, really? Uh, let's just go with it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel like right. she's like very sensual and she's very right. like, yeah, confident and yeah. I I was going to say that too, but you know, I, I would have been accused of just, you know, <laughs> naming myself <laughs> and giving her my sign. <laughs> oh my God. That's wild. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. It. I love it. There you that's go. Awesome. Anna, thank you so thank much you. for joining us. It was such a fun conversation. Oh gosh, uh, fun Bonfire Night is out now. Everyone should get their their copy. It's a beautiful story. And yes. I, like I said, Kate jumped off the page from the very first scene with her camera in hand. So oh, thank you so yeah. much, Corinne. Thank go. you, Kate. I love your podcast. So it's really surreal and wonderful to get to talk with you. Oh, thank you. Thank and good you. luck. Thank you.